So today, I'm uh, once more talking about leaning in to the goodness of God, and uh, we actually just were going to kind of do this for a few weeks, but um, I'm just not done yet. So I want to keep talking about it. Uh, we put together, just for fun, a couple of uh, little uh, bracelets for you guys. If you haven't gotten one yet, our ushers are going to pass them around. Just They say, lean into God's goodness. And uh, if you, you can have one of those, they're free. Thank you, Endeavor Partners, for uh, making these rubber bracelets. <laughs> it's, they're not that expensive, really. Yeah, We're, it's not that big of a deal. It's, but uh, but it's, it, it's a good thing to remember. It's, it's the rubber band just to uh, remind yourself of the goodness of God. And so uh, we're in Psalm 31. And, and what we're building out of Psalm 31 is out of Psalm 31, 19. Uh, and there's a bunch of verses where we've taken the time to talk about the goodness of God. But Psalm 31, 19 says this. How great is the goodness. Everybody say goodness. How great is the goodness that you have stored up for those who fear you. You lavish, not just sparing, but lavish his goodness on those who come to you for protection, blessing them before the watching world. That's a good verse right there. That's a good prayer verse. That's a good, that's a good verse to, to remember. And, and so what we're looking at in Psalm 31 is the context of uh, life for King David, who is writing this psalm. And this is a period of time where David is processing um, his son Absalom rebelling against him. And I'm not going to take the time to read the whole passage. I did it last week, but 2 Samuel 15 tells us about Absalom, who was David's son, had been given privilege by being uh, the son of the king. But, he, but Absalom was an incredibly good-looking um, young man who was given all kinds of privilege. But what he would do, he would stand at the gate of the city, and when somebody was coming in, to, to bring an issue before the king, Absalom would stand there, and in and, and, and normal everyday language, we would understand Absalom would stand there and go, oh, the king doesn't really want to listen to you, but I will. The king doesn't really care about you, but I do. And, and by this, he was stealing away the hearts of the people that actually um, were coming for the king and that were first attached to the king. He would stand at the gates. He would promise, if I were the king, this would happen. So let me just say this uh, to you. If you have an aspiration for your life to, to grow or be bigger or be better, uh, don't be an Absalom. <laughs> uh, you know, and I think sometimes people, they, you know, so in your work environment, or in relationships that are around you, uh, in church environment, uh, you can find that there are people who will go, I don't really like what the pastor's doing, so I'll form a little group of my own within the church. Or I don't really like what the boss is saying, I'm going to form a little group within work. And can I tell you, that's just the wrong mode to go to entirely. Because... God is fully committed to raising you up in your due time, in your appointed time. And just, you got to watch your heart because it's, it's easy to judge leadership when you don't actually have 
the full weight of leadership on yourself. It's, it's easy to look at your boss and say they should be doing this, but you don't know all the considerations that they have. Or be looking and saying the pastor should be doing that, or we should be singing this song or that song, or whatever kind of thing. Don't be an Absalom. That's not going to be good. Because the truth of the matter is, you know, there's a great book called The Tale of Three Kings uh, that talks about the way David would never take away anything from Saul, and God raised him up. But Absalom tried to take things away from David as a king, and he ended up hung by his big, fat hair on a tree, and it just wasn't a good day. But Psalm 31 is David processing the pain of his son betraying him. And I think if you've ever had betrayal uh, from someone who is in your inner circle or someone you were, you've been close to, whether it's marriage or your son or daughter or a coworker or whatever, there's just a, there's a, there's a particular kind of pain. It's, it's something when somebody on the outside is causing you pain and trouble, but it's a whole different thing when you've got somebody on the inside uh, that is causing your heart to ache. It's just a different impact on your heart and your soul. So we had looked at Psalm 27, which was David processing, you know, someone outside of his inner circle, but here he's processing within the inner circle. And what I want to say is, I think I titled this whole thing, the, the pain and the promise, because here is David, you know, talking his pain out, but also keeping a true north, which is the promise of God. And, and that's, what, that, that's where Psalm 31 comes out of one of the most powerful verses that has to do with the goodness of God is actually coming out of one of the most difficult, painful seasons that David ever walked through. So uh, a couple of ideas, and then let me just quickly review some thoughts. Number one, and if you look at Psalm 31, he starts out worshiping God. He starts out honoring God. And I just, I, I cannot emphasize to you how important this idea is that you always start processing life. All the pain, all the opportunity, all the difficulties, all the victories, you got to process life from a goodness of God perspective. In other words, you got to get the idea that God is good. Don't just say, if God was good, why is this happening? No, you can't start with your pain and assess correctly. You got to start with the goodness of God. Assess your pain looking at it from the goodness of God rather than assessing the goodness of God looking at it from your pain. And I know it might sound like just semantics to somebody and just, oh, yeah, right, those are good words. I'm telling you, it will save your soul. <laughs> the second idea is to recognize that your spirit is your responsibility. So Psalm 31.5, he says, into your hand I commit my spirit. And whenever you go through pain, you're going to have the opportunity to get bitter or get better. You're going to have the opportunity to grow in empathy, or you're going to have the opportunity to grow in bitterness. You, your spirit is your responsibility. Your way of responding is your choice. And then the third idea is this. you got to keep 
choosing joy. Psalm 31, 7 says, I will. Everybody say, I will. I will. That has nothing to do whether you feel like it. I will rejoice and be glad in your loving kindness. So uh, that's last week's message in a nutshell. I want to talk about this, a couple of ideas today that I think will be very helpful. Number four is this. Think and live in a large, everybody say large, large context. Don't live small, live large. So Psalm 31, verse 8, David says this, you have not given me over into the hand of the enemy, but you've set my feet in a large, everybody say large, you've set my feet in a large place. I think you got to remember that when the pressure and the pain is making you feel like you're in a tight place. When you feel like you're being cramped or hemmed in. Your life is bigger than the pain you feel in the moment. And pain is, a, is an unusual thing. Physical pain is an unusual thing. Emotional pain is an unusual thing. Because whenever you have pain uh, in your life, whether it's physical, spiritual, emotional, mental, whatever, when you have pain in your life, there's a couple things that start to happen. Uh, one is it, you, there's something in your head that goes, oh my gosh, I'm going to be like this forever. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, so in my adult life, I have, I have basically had to spend uh, nursing my, my lower back. I have a thing called spondylolisthesis. You might go, wow, what is that? It's, it's a way to help you learn a prayer language, spondylolisthesis. Um, and it's just a, a little, one of my vertebrae is, is out of whack. And, and here's what I know. When my back really goes out, like goes out bad, and it happens, it just seems to happen every once in a while, uh, there's a couple things that happen. It's like immediately my head goes, oh, I'm going to be stuck with this forever. And like it just happened. But I'm going to be stuck with this forever. This, this is it. This is the big one. <laughs> and and, and we, 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 we get so focused in on the pain of the moment that we forget it's not a bad life. It's just a bad day. And the other thing that happens when you have pain is that all of your energy just pours out of that pain point, right? So I think when people can't think bigger about their life and all of their energy to, to move forward, all their energy to thrive, all their energy to step into God's best for their life gets dissipated when they're focused on their pain. And I just, I'm just saying to you, here's David in the midst of such a difficult situation, and he's reminding himself, 
you have set my feet in a large place. You got to remember all the good when you're in the middle of all the bad. You have to live in a, in a bigger world, in a bigger context than this immediate piece of pain. You got to keep reminding yourself that this piece of pain that I'm experiencing right now is just one chapter of a long story. It's just one frame of a long movie. That, that dumb thing that you did, turn and look at your neighbor and say, I think he's talking to you now. That dumb thing that you did, you might think it's ruined your life, but it's just one dumb thing. It's just a mistake. And God is a God of second chances. And you can't stay so fixated on something that you've made a bad call, bad decision, a bad moment, and just say, oh, this is going to write my story forever. you gotta, you got to recognize God's put you into a large place, not a small place. Having a relationship with God doesn't shrink your life. It's supposed to enlarge your life. So when you have a bad experience at church, that doesn't make all church bad. you got to get bigger than that, right? You Hey, if you have one bad experience or, or more with a man, that doesn't make all men evil. <laughs> Come on, you, one bad experience at work doesn't make all work evil. One bad experience with a business endeavor doesn't make it all evil. Hey, listen, don't let... Negative people keep you from experiencing God's goodness in your life. I should have put that one up on the screen because we let, we let people who have, been, who have been negative influences or brought negative experiences into our life and we just go, that's it, I'm shut down, I'm off, I'm out. I'm not going to ever open myself up to church or to people or to opportunity again because I'm going to let a negative person override the goodness of God. Second Corinthians 6, if you've been around for a while, you've heard me read this many times, but I want to point it out in this context. Second Corinthians 6, 11 through 13 in the message says, Dear, dear Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide-open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your lives. Live openly and expansively. Paul is 
imploring us. The Holy Spirit is imploring us through Paul. you got to live bigger than just taking care of yourself. You, you've got to live bigger than just being, than nursing your own pain. And I'm not, I, I hope you understand, I'm not diminishing the reality of pain. But I'm just telling you, everybody that has ever moved forward in life has done it with some pain involved. It's not like every, there are people who get an exemption from this. And Paul is saying, listen, I'm encouraging you, don't get fixated don't, on living just a, a self-sustaining only, self-maintenance, survival mode kind of life. You got you to gotta live large so that our lives don't just shrink down to being consumed with self-maintenance. It's so easy to get stuck in a schedule that is just all about you, right? It's like you, you have your routine in the morning and you go to work and you have your ball games or you have your, your, your hobby or you have your whatever situation, your house, and if you're not careful, it's easy for that whole thing to suck you in and all of a sudden, you're not pouring in to making the house of God great. You're not pouring in to serving other people. You're not pouring in to living a great life. You're letting the maintenance of your life swallow up all the energy that you have. And we've got to see that there's a much bigger world than just our survival. And that's what I appreciate about David is here he is in, in the middle of serious betrayal, serious pain, and he's looking past it, and he's going, you've set my feet in a large place. we got to aim higher than just survival. Jim Rohn said this, let others lead small lives, but not you. Let others argue over small things on Facebook, but not you. Hey, don't get sucked into that kind of stuff. Like anybody has ever on Facebook gone, oh, you're right. I, I was wrong. I was so stupid. That's not going to happen. Why waste your energy? Let others cry over small hurts, but not you. Let others leave their future in someone else's hands, but not you. Nelson Mandela said, there's no passion to be found playing small in settling for a life that's less than the one you're capable of living. Hey, listen, we, we live in Times that somebody could say is tough times, although they really are prosperous and opportunity times. But I'd just say maybe you're going through a tough time. Yeah. Hey, listen, tough times don't last. Tough people make it through. And, you know, at some level, we could sit back and go, we've lasted 
30 years as a church. But let me just tell you right now, I don't want to just last. I don't want to just exist. I want to thrive. Come on, I want our church to grow. I want our church to expand. I want our church to increase. Pastor, when are you going to stop asking us to pray? Never. 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 When are you going to quit asking us to give? Never. Never. When are you going to quit prodding us to actually reach out of our little comfort zone and invite somebody to church? I'm never going to stop. And we're never, we don't want to just be blob Christians just taking care of our own survival. Hey, listen, I want to help people. I want to reach people. I want to glorify God. I want to make a difference. And, and I, think, I think we own this idea, but we know God is great. <laughs> we know God is good. And there is a cause. And I'm saying for us as a church, I'm saying for you, in your world, in your dreams, in your family life, and the way you handle your resources, and the way you handle your time. I want, you, I, don't, I want you to dream big, large, put on size large, right? That little small shirt doesn't look good on you anymore. All your little bulges are showing because in that small shirt. <laughs> Put on a size large. Live large. Live big. Give big. Serve big. Love big. So no matter, no matter what your past has been, no matter how much pain has been involved, and again, I'm not trying to minimize pain because I understand pain. You got to get something in your spirit, something in your outlook, that says, I, I'm, I'm going to keep moving forward. I, I'm going to enlarge. I'm going to stretch out. I'm going to lengthen. I'm going to strengthen. We got to determine to be big enough to not get consumed in our own pain points. I wish I could remove all of the pain points, but it doesn't work that way. We got to determine that I'm going to be big enough to make a difference. I'm not going to default to small. I'm going to default to large. No, no matter what your present pain of this season is, I'm just here to remind you you're bigger than that. Come on, you are bigger than that. And you got to remember that God's goodness is stored up. Massive goodness is stored up for your future. All right, here's my, 
next idea out of Psalm 31 is this. Number, point number five, tough seasons reveal true friends. Amen. So let me read this. Uh, what I love about the Bible, what I love about the Psalms is it's not some kind of Pollyanna head in the sand. It's like, here is David simultaneously going, ouch, hallelujah. <laughs> uh, I'm, not, I'm not ignoring the pain, but I'm acknowledging a greater reality. So here is, here's Psalm 31, verse 9. It says, be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eye is wasted away with grief. My soul and my body also. My life is spent with sorrow. My years with sighing. My strength has failed because of my iniquity. My body has wasted away. <laughs> He's just having a good old-fashioned pity party. Now, it's all right to have a pity party every once in a while, right? Just don't live in one. And you got to remember, not many people like to go to those. Because of all my adversaries, I've become a reproach, especially to my neighbors. I'm an object of dread to my acquaintances. Those who see me in the street flee from me. <laughs> I'm forgotten as a dead man, out of mind. I'm like a broken vessel. Boy, he's, he's having a day. <laughs> For I have heard the slander of many, terrors on every side, while they took counsel together against me. They schemed to take away my life. Some people are in your life because things are going well, and they like that. They don't really like you. They just like what's going on for them when they're in your world. I got stories to tell. People who swore their allegiance to the vision, to the cause, to the house, to Suzette and I. And you have those stories too. And the truth is, when everything's going great around you, they like what's happening for them because what's going on around you is great. So they, they're good for that. But when things aren't going well around you, they vanish. They take off. The Lord told them. God told me. The ultimate trump card. God told me. No, he didn't. And where I want to point us to is to recognize this. Instead of looking at people that have left you when you needed them the most, 
Instead of going, they left me. They hurt me. You got to reframe and go, God in his goodness has just taken out the trash. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. <laughs> hey, loyalty is tested by adversity. There's people that want to be around when things are great. The book of Ruth has one of the best stories of loyalty in the face of adversity. Uh, Ruth is uh, married to one of Naomi's sons. And there's another lady, Orpah, that's married to the other son. The three of them together and life is good. They're all having Thanksgiving dinner together. They're all doing Easter Sunday together, Christmas together. Everything's good. Life is blessed. All of a sudden, Naomi's husband passes away. And then almost in the same season, it seems, both Orpah and Ruth's husbands pass away. Now there's three ladies who are stuck with no husband. No, and, and in that day, it was a pretty difficult situation. And, and Ruth 1 verse 14 gives us this incredible picture. It says they lifted up their voices and wept again, because that's what you do. And there's nothing wrong with that. But then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Or Orpah was a kisser. Ruth was a clinger. She was aggressive about her loyalty and her friendship to Naomi. She knew God had put them together, and she just determined, I'm not, I'm not here for the residual blessing. I'm here for you. I love you. I'm committed to you. This is a day we live in that loyalty is a lost art. Loyalty is sticking with somebody. Loyalty is being there for the long haul. Loyalty is being there for the good times and the bad times. Loyalty is standing up for your brother when others accuse him. Standing up for your sister when others accuse Don't ever be silent when somebody's accusing your pastor or your spouse or your friend. Be that, be that kind of person that stands with them even when they blow it, even when they mess up. Loyalty is a commitment that says, we're going to work it out. We're going to make it work. We're going to work it out. Loyalty. You can count on me. I'm going to show up. The opposite of loyalty is a total self-interest in the relationship. What's in it for me? What have you done for me lately? 
And Ruth displays this. Here is Absalom, the opposite of loyalty. Given privilege, given an opportunity, king's son. It's all his because he's the king's son that he has, but he's misusing it. Here's, here's Ruth saying, I'm just going to stick with you. Your God's my God. Your journey's my journey. And even though Naomi's down and out, had nothing to offer, Ruth wasn't after what she had to offer. Ruth was after the relationship. And I know for some people, they go, man, that's, that's like a pretty strong call. Hello? But God has joined together. Let no man separate. Hey, listen, great friendship is worth paying a price for. Loyalty is the glue. Loyalty is the glue that holds a marriage together. Loyalty is the glue that holds a friendship together. Loyalty is the glue that holds a family together. Loyalty is the glue that holds a church together. Loyalty is the glue that holds things together when, because there's no doubt it will come, when conflict comes. Because either there's conflict between the two of you, or there's conflict that comes against. And loyalty's first option isn't, I'm out of here. It'd be easier over there. It'd be easier with him or her or this situation. Loyalty says, I'm just going to hang in there. I'm going to learn. Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Now you might say, what does all this have to do with the goodness of God? Let me tell you, when you discover your loyal friends, and God takes the trash out, that's the goodness of God. And Amen. Hey, let's take a moment to pray. Would you close your eyes? Let's keep your heart open. If you're comfortable to raise your hands towards heaven, just as a moment of surrender. Lord, we thank you that your goodness is prevailing. Your goodness is so great. It's stored up for us. And as we come before you today, God, I know uh, there are some of us in this room that are experiencing heartache and pain and struggle or difficulty, but we just we fix our eyes not on that, but on the goodness of God. And we know that you have a better chapter ahead for us. Uh, you have beautiful things in store for us. The story's not over yet. And so, God, I'm praying that, that the lights come on, the revelation happens, God, in a serious way. While our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, just a couple more minutes. Maybe you're here today and you've just never surrendered your life really to Jesus. And you just feel drawn to him in this moment. I would love to pray with you. Or maybe you're here and the truth is you used to be close to the Lord, but you know you're not where you want to be, where you used to be, where you could be, where you know in your heart you should be. Today would be a great day to come home. Or maybe you just feel unsure. You don't have a sense of confidence. 
I'm my hands are in the, my life is in the hands of a good God. If that's you, you just say, I want to surrender a fresh, new, first time or coming back to the Lord. I want you to raise your hand and say, that's me. Would you pray for me? All over this room, just lift your hand up real high and say, yes to Jesus. Yes to God. Yes to the Lord. Anybody else? God bless you. Thank you. All over the room. Thank you. We're just surrendering to you, Lord. We may not know exactly where it's all taking us, but we know that you do and that you are good and that you will watch over us. So I want everybody to pray this prayer. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, I surrender to you, to your love and to your lordship. I need you. I want you in my world as my Lord. I know I've sinned. I have messed up, but I come to the cross where you paid the price for my forgiveness. Today is a fresh start. It's a new beginning as I surrender to Jesus. Help me become the person you created me to be. Amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord. Amen.